Hell, 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 everybody. <laughs> Merry Krampishnot. And welcome to the Hellboy Book Club Winter Special. <laughs> I'm that jolly old fucker, St. Nick. And today I'm here with... I'm I, Dan I, I... Yule, the Solstice Goblin. And I'm Holly Jolly Aubrey. <laughs> I like how this is vaguely malevolent and, like, ominous. This is the spookiest oh. holiday special. Ho, ho, ho. This is a festive Hellboy Comics podcast. We're reading all the comics, and every week we interact with our naughty, naughty listeners. <laughs> now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. No, I will not. Hayden Orr is going to tell you all about it. Hey there, everybody. Hayden Orr here, book club member, and I'm welcoming you to the Hellboy Book Club podcast. This is a podcast where we read all of the Hellboy comics, BPRD, Lobster Johnson, anything that's Hellboy or Mike Mignola related, we're reading it. And then we're going to read along with uh, John and Danielle and Aubrey. We're going to think about what we read, and then we're going to discuss it. They'll discuss it on the episode, and you'll discuss it on the social media, either on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you could even send an email. Uh, send them a hey you damn guys and then you know sometimes you you might write uh, a whole novel about what you thought about the episode or the book and john may have to edit it down because it's way too long and there's just a bunch of crazy stuff in there but that's fine because it's a uh, it's a book club and that's what you do so come on grab your uh, digital comics your trade paperbacks your omnibuses your floppies whatever Read along and uh, enjoy the friendship, because that's what it's all about. Comic books and friendship. Hayden Orr! Hayden Orr, book club member. That was Thank excellent. You, that was great. That was great. Thank you. That was really awesome. Thank it you. It wasn't chaotic enough, though. You need, to, <laughs> <laughs> you need to be very disorganized. That was that was extremely organized. I don't know about that. It was wonderful. No, it was wonderful. It was great. It was excellent. Very pleasant. I love listening to the voices of our book yes. club members. I think all our book club members have very pleasant voices to listen to so far. So. And thanks for being sympathetic for me having to read all the things because, like, we got a lot of listener <laughs> feedback this week. So I was like, "Hey, I'm glad someone oh, pointed that, that out." That was good stuff. I oh. love, I love hearing all the that that bit that I always have to do. I like that. You do it. Yeah, you do it. That's so great. much fun. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have because you're book club members. It's a book club and it's friendship. I love it. I want to echo Danielle's statement. It is also fun to hear our listeners' voices. Yeah, I like that. It's really nice. Nice. Yeah. Remember, we got the buff raffle is going on right now at Mike Mignola's Art on Facebook. The hell you say? Yeah, Craig McKnight is raising money for the COPD Foundation, the V Foundation, Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation, and Sarah's Fight for Hope. I yeah. love him. And uh, I, I like when Matt said that he's the he's our patron saint of charities. It's true. Here in our community. It's true. You could win a piece of Mignola art. What else is there to say? I there mean, are so many amazing yeah. artists in there. Lawrence Campbell, Simone D'Armini, the list goes on and on. Craig Russo. Zach Howard, a lot of people who have been working on the books, like Mark Laszlo. So many people really donate a lot of their time and labor and and stuff, and it's uh, it's really great. Yeah, book yeah. club member Jason Abaddon said. Jason Abaddon. 
Book club member. Okay, you hellions. I'm going through the motions of unlocking the Facebook account I made years ago. <laughs> I like just hellions. This, That's good. Just for this raffle. I bet the account is all dusty and has cobwebs and stuff. You anyway, gotta, it's like the seventh seal of the seventh. You got to get like the fucking all the arcane magic going and all the fucking the sigils and shit. Yeah. So he's unlocking the gates to that just to enter the raffle. Wow. So yeah, thank Brave. you for doing that. Awesome. Don't Thank don't you. look at your notifications. Just get in and get out. <laughs> don't don't look at it. Don't don't stare directly. It's like the whatever the Ark of the Covenant from the Indiana Jones. It'll melt your face <laughs> off. Just in and out. I got my. I posted this on our social media. I got my print and sketch from Tiernan Trevelyan. Oh shit! Yeah, he did. Uh, Hellboy and the BPRD, Her Fatal Hour. You guys haven't read that story yet. Okay. But he's selling prints of that cover, and I highly recommend purchasing one. Everyone comes with a sketch. And I don't know if I should tell this story on the podcast. Anyway, it's something really nice that happened. Oh, that's nice. Every print comes with a sketch. And when I purchased the print, I put in the notes, hey, if I could get an Abe Sapien sketch, that would be great. And then he responded and he said, well, I actually wasn't going to take requests okay, yeah. on them. Which is fine and, and valid. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and he said, but since you asked so nicely... Aww. And I was like, anything that you do is fine. I was yeah. like, I just figured I'd ask. You know, n- not a big deal. I- I'll be happy with whatever I get. Just being nice and polite to yeah. an artist goes such a long way. Like, really. Because yeah. they're just used to so many people being complete dicks. Yeah. But I think anyone who's just vaguely nice is just like, ha, ah, you want to go the extra mile for them. That's so nice of them. And so then I got it. And then sure enough, there's an Abe sketch oh, that's inside. Really sweet. And it really that's is nice. amazing. And Ryan Yule that's on nice. social media, he was like, oh, he hasn't done Abe yet. Like, we haven't yeah. seen him do Abe wow. yet. So it's like, that's oh, really wow. Nice. That's really cool. Um, nice. And I, I was really pleased that he did that. That was so nice. And. You know, um, we didn't expect you don't expect it. Exactly. You don't, you're not like, ah, if you don't do this, I'm going to be pissed off a little brat. Yeah. You know, like if if you don't expect it, it's 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 nice and people want to do nice things for you. But if you're like expect you feel entitled to it. Right. right. If you give yeah. off the air of like, ah, I, I can't believe you're not going to give me this. Guy, then it's kind of like, well, fuck you kind of a thing. So that's nice. That's really sweet. He didn't have to do it, but he did. And that's nice. Yeah, so you can check out his website. I'll post a link to it in our show notes. And I also just hit him up, hit him up on Facebook. That's how I ordered my prints. Right. I just send him a message on yeah. Facebook. Really cool guy. Thank you so much for the sketch. It Very was awesome. Sweet, yeah. It's a nice looking sketch. Yes. It's got the vest. Yeah. He's got like the old school BPRD vest. It looks so cool. It's good stuff. And like you said, it's good to see his take on it like you haven't seen that. Yeah, so that's cool. yeah. So here we have, we're wrapping up the year for the Hellboy Book Club. I want to thank Matt for being on our monumental yes. episode yeah. last week. You know, yeah, thank you, Matt. Back. And I was uh, I was talking to Danielle after I uploaded the, on Monday night, I upload the file into the pod beans like a evil podcast Santa Claus to... Uh, all right, all right. For everyone to have the next morning, and I was telling Danielle after I finished doing that, I was like, I feel like this is a thing. Like, you could take this set of episodes. You could get on our Podbean webpage. You could download yeah. every single episode. Into you could the say, era. And you could say, this is a, yeah. this is this a is set a right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is us covering all the Hellboy and BPRD comics. Sure. It's kind of a big deal. You know okay. what I mean? And, like, I felt a little bit of a weight you know, not that we don't have more to cover. Obviously, there are more stories and there are more that's going to be coming out. I don't know. There was just something about that where I was like, I felt a certain amount of satisfaction. Like, I did this thing. Yeah. It's out there. Yeah. As, as long as 
that Podbean takes my $15 out of the <laughs> out every month. It'll be up there for everybody to be able to like, hey, here's this thing where you actually go through all the comics. It's really cool that yeah. we did that. You know what I mean? It's really awesome. I want to thank Danielle and Aubrey for uh. doing all this over you know 130 weeks or whatever no, thank the thank the book club members and all the book club know, members yeah. yes and, and especially you know like you're saying matt and and mark and um craig yeah. ross everyone ross, who's been on the show yeah yeah, yeah i actually sat down and tried to figure out roughly because there's a lot of short stories in there so it's hard to like piece that out if someone wants to give me a better number but roughly 412 comics okay wow oh my god <laughs> One book and two short stories. How about that? Yeah. There you wow. go. I want to do a section I like to call Things I Thought About After the Fact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Post-episode uh, roundup. I was thinking about Abe and the, and the eggs. Uh, when, like, how, how was Abe able to produce eggs and all that? And then I just started thinking about the movie Jurassic Park, yeah. um, where Sam Neill talks to the kids. He's like, you know, uh, some amphibians, because they used amphibian DNA, know, have sure. known to switch sexes to able pro- procreation, right. blah, blah, blah. And I was just thinking, when Abe got shot and then metamorphosized into his new form, okay. I don't want to say anything like offensive or anything, but do you think that maybe he like switched sex? Well, I think that um, there are some species that it's not even a thing, like seahorses, right? Seahorses give oh, right, birth right, to the babies, right, yeah. and that's like seahorse, seahorse uh, males give birth to the babies and all that sort of thing, so that could be... Right. Yeah. I think it's not even... I don't even think he was like giving birth. I think it was just like... He was incubating that. Yeah. It might just be magic, or like oh, some oh. sort of weird. You know what I mean? And might you know, right. it might not necessarily yeah. have to do anything with with that. Um, it, but how did that happen? You, I agree that it happened right. then when he was shot and he was in that stasis you, too. You might not necessarily yeah. even need it to be like a sciency thing. It might just be like a this is the end of time magic that we've been talking about the whole. You know, like it might just be like end of yeah. time magic. Like who? Yeah. I don't really need. I don't feel like I need a oh, hard uh, science explanation for it, but I feel like it could e- it even if you were to try and do that, it wouldn't even need to be like ah he he switched the thing. There are some like you said, like the seahorse thing. It could be a seahorse thing, or it could be a. I think it's end, I think it's into the world magic, honestly. Yeah, definitely into the world magic. But I, I just I just think it's like a little fun thought experiment. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know I, if it's like if it was like he was gestating eggs. I think it was just something like. And now here's here's this now. I don't know. It yeah. just seemed like. And then it also made me think of like Strobel, who thought that he was going to be, you know, um, living large after the apocalypse. And no, <laughs> yeah, if, if he had Jeez. been in that situation, he'd have just been broken in half and dropped in the yeah. bottom of the ocean. Too. Right. Everyone and everyone who thinks they're living large wow, after the apocalypse, yeah. like, no, you're right. You're Aubrey. <laughs> That's yeah. so true. Anyway, those are things I thought of after the fact. <laughs> and that's been Aubrey's things he thought of after the yeah, fact. Yeah, that was good. No, I do like that because if it had been Strobel, would they not be more of like, I mean, I don't know. We just saw a little bit of them coming out of the water, but they seemed like benevolent. They seem chill. They, they seem chill. Versus like maybe like an evil version. I would version, kick it with them. Right. You know. Maybe- Maybe sure. the, if if they had come from Strobel, would they all have mutton chops? Um. <laughs> yes, yeah, a very different character design for sure. Awesome, I love that. I love that segment. Good right. segment. All right, and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. You read a story, we talk about it. 
you hate them guys us and it's a book club get out treats and flowers we had my first true hey you damn guys from sarah cole hey sarah cole Book club member. Book club member. Sarah said, so at the end of the world, we got to talk about Hellboy's three deaths. Mm. A long time ago, I speculated on the idea of threes being linked with Hellboy because of his association with the triple goddess Hecate. Yes. It was pretty neat seeing this play out after BPRD surprise, but I'm curious what the meaning of the three are and if you found the conclusion worthwhile. Mm. Also, I kind of want to address the placement of Hellboy in Hell since it does a lot against Devil You Know in terms of impact for me. Hellboy's first death gave him knowledge. In the island, he's being presented with his true self and and destiny. All the weight snuck up on him, and now the comic felt different from then on, after he died that time. Right. Death number two was the grand epic that built and built from the first, but also more literally across darkness calls into the storm and the fury. It was a rejection of the myth as Hellboy threw away the sword and the legacy of his bloodlines. It kind of felt like the end the character would want on his own terms. He's always been one for shrugging in the face of cosmic horror, and I loved it for that. Hellboy and Hell's an interesting beast, here and namely when the story shuffled around his actual killing of Satan and then mythologizing Hellboy into the beast, Hellboy sits in peace at the bottom of the world, on the shores of his homeland, hell but still. He's found a place of quiet and contemplation after giving so much on his own journey. I'm a sucker for the... Well, I'm just going to sit here for a while type of endings <laughs> that pull out into the wide shot of the character as the viewers separate from them. Truly. Now, the big one. Three. Devil You Know didn't provide a lot in terms of character for me. It's an action arc. More than the story cycles of old. It rushes to get through the BPRD issues to land on another contemplative return to a Hellboy book at issue 15. I thought that was interesting that it's like right. it goes to another Hellboy comic at the very end. Right, right. It's weird. People died and I didn't feel anything. Seeing <laughs> Devil You Know smash in as his action book felt like checking off boxes to cash in on foreshadowing rather than twisting the knife in new and unique ways. Mm. Hellboy accepts his fate after rejecting it so many times in so many ways. This is the three right turns to make a left, and despite how much I found the last issue great, and I did, the series as a whole tried to have his cake and eat it too. Hellboy being tethered to his core self in hell, and also up and about as a manifest through Roger. So was this one the death of his soul? I wanted more from him, and if that's the case, we are given so few character beats outside of window looking. The first death shattered his awareness, the second his body. This has to crush his spirit. Because he accepts it. Mm. And there is really no return, only to sacrifice it all to rebirth the new world. Did you find this satisfying? And in the grand scope of the larger character cast, did it become a pure Hellboy story coda eclipse? All other meaningful arcs like Abe and Liz. Can't wait to hear your response. I don't know if it necessarily shattered his spirit. I don't know if the acceptance... I saw it more as an acceptance of the present and a dissolution of all desire and... Right. and and attachment and i i don't necessarily think that that is crushing one's spirit i think that there's a way to get there that's not yeah that isn't necessarily that and i, and I was satisfied by by that resolution simply because i i personally kind of feel some type of way about reality and and the nature of reality yeah, yeah. that may not necessarily be the same as a lot of people that i come into contact with on a daily basis and so i kind of Personally, was like, oh, that's so satisfying because 
of these grand archetypes and these themes that have been going on throughout. And so I can see how that would be not satisfying to another reader. And I can totally, I think that you're all of these opinions and thoughts are very valid and very well, yeah, yeah. very well thought out and very well said. And I, I really appreciate this is, this is valuable input from our book club member. I personally felt like, Yes, there couldn't have been a different ending. Like, it's very... Like, okay, the thing with the triplets is very interesting and cool. I do like that I really like that a lot. I think that's very well observed. Very well observed because, yeah, yeah, the triple goddess and the triple everything and all in So he dies and then on the third death, they unite to create the beginning of... You know what I mean? There's kind of like... There is a lot of... very nice. There is a lot of significance in the threes and that's great. There's also... Like, okay, and then we have like, oh, Liz, Abe, and Hellboy... That's like three and then like the three, whatever. But then there's also a lot of significance in um, pairs, which could be, you know, binary off and on and then everything in between. And so you've got like Hellboy and Hecate. They have to come together to right, make yeah. the, the the death and rebirth and all this stuff. And then uh, Abe and Liz or a different it, – like it's it's a continuation. It's a different version. It's an ultimate yeah, yeah, yeah. reality. But whatever the remains of them out of those whatever ashes, the death and rebirth – of those two, let's call them forces, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Come together, and that's the new reality in the new world here. And so there's a lot of triples, there's a lot of pairs, there's a lot of cool archetypes and, and overall overarching themes and stuff like that. And so I do understand how someone could be dissatisfied with like the the bones of it, like the of like ah the plot here and the writing here, and it was rushed and this was this and that. But for me, like the the overall feeling I got was like, yeah, cool. I, I can see that. Yeah. I'm easy to please, though. I'm not like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. And um, I was even talking to Sarah on Instagram, and she was saying, do you think that Liz got a proper ending? Yeah. You know? And I think... Because uh, she was like... She just was like the sacrifice at the end. But no. I kind of saw it like she was going to live on and how, if anything Hellboy was kind of like the sacrifice right. I found it epic in the classic sense of the word as in like this is a character that would belong in an epic yeah so I like I, I really I, I thought that her ending was appropriate just because of the grandiose nature of this character they had built her and built her and built her and she was becoming bigger and bigger like larger than life to the point where like how could it have been anything else but the most the grandest of stages sure, yeah, for her yeah. at the yeah. Like at the end of time, yeah, yeah. like the she is the transcendental object at the end of time. She is real. Like she becomes the fucking agent of change for the new reality. This is she's. She, I mean, she's like the most. Imp- I, she's the catalyst. Yeah, it's Reaching incredible. Out for the, yeah. It's incredible. And yeah. so I was really. And again, this is just because my whole. I have a very weird O'Donnell brain, and so I've got like a professor it lines up O'Donnell. With all those spots, and yeah, like, I've yes. got such a professor O'Donnell brain that I'm just like, oh, this is wah, you know. And so I'm. If anything, I I would actually see Abe as being the one that has the more that was sacrificed because he mm. was taken out pretty, yeah, pretty quickly during the battle. I mean, and they'd spent all this time building up like that Abe was going to be the ushering in of the new race of man and all that and it, and he did but of course he had to be sacrificed for the uh, for that to happen that's true yeah even um, without the sacrificial element even without any oh everyone's yeah. a sacrifice no one's a sacrifice well, even without that it's like death happens yeah. it is a part of reality and it is part of life yeah. and it is natural and what happens after that is there is another story there's a rebirth perhaps there is this death and rebirth stuff is 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 
like the ultimate theme that you can possibly be exploring yeah. and so it's 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 obvious that this was this was going to be very heavy on that i guess like you know when i was going into it i guess i was expecting maybe some kind of big climactic battle between with the three of them versus Rasputin and then Abe gets taken out just like that. But I see Liz is kind of like, you know, I mean, she survived through it and she basically cleansed the world right. to make way for the new race that yeah. spawned from Abe. You don't see stuff like this. I mean, in yeah. a way it does subvert, in my opinion, a lot of expectations just because yeah. Oh, yeah. what other fucking story has ever been like, okay, now this is the apocalypse. And I mean, I guess, you know, the oldest stories, right? The tale of Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. Is like how many thousands of years old? <laughs> I mean, we have in in cultures all across the world for all across time, there's this end of the world rebirth of the universe shit going on. And so this is kind of like he took a stab at it. All these yeah. people were like, Hey, let's try it. Yeah. Let's see. And you know what? Yeah. It's not a bad effort. I love it's it. not a bad effort Good if I do job. say so myself. Like, we're gonna wrap up all these different fucking cultures and all these different weird gods and all these different weird creatures across cultures for twenty five fucking years. We're gonna like deal with all of this different stuff and we're gonna try and wrap this up in a satisfying way. You know what? Yeah. Good on you. Good job. Because you fucking yeah. went for it. They really went for it. And um I also like the fact that it did end in an apocalypse and a rebirth and all that, because I feel like a lot of times when you watch or read media that deals Let's with stop an the apocalypse, apocalypse. Yeah. it's like, you can't. it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, I love the show Supernatural. It's cheesy fun, but like every like uh, season's like, we're stopping the apocalypse again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what every Marvel movie is. Yeah. But it's, yeah. yeah. And I, so I, I really appreciate the fact that they want, they, they fucking went there. And yeah. I think that's, Yeah. I'm I'm all about that. I think that's neat. Yeah. Good discussion. Yeah. yeah. We had a Hey You Damn Guys from Brian Levy. Hey, hey, Brian Levy. Book club member. That's book club member. He said, so I apologize for my two wildly different emails last week. <laughs> they sounded kind of nuts back to back. That's the difference between reading one arc on Friday and then reading another arc on Tuesday. That's, I'll give it to One you. response was glowing and the other one was pretty negative and contradicted what I'd said earlier. Whatever, here's the thing. The end of BPRD is incredibly emotionally complicated for me, and my thoughts on it vary from time to time every time I talk about it. One day I think it's a transcendent storytelling, and on the other day I struggle with it. I think about this in response to the writing, the characters, everything. Some days I love it and totally vibe with it, and other days it frankly bothers me. This isn't to say it's bad, though. Not at all. It's like on the greatest television show of all time, Guys Grocery Games. I've never heard of that. <laughs> when the judges, I love that show. When the judges love a dish, but note what could have been different. It doesn't mean you don't love the delicious meal. It's just that there's stuff that stands out that you do differently. I think it's sad to see a character that you spend so much time on be so dejected near the end. There's a true emphasis to him. And I think on getting to these very last issues... After the thrill ride of Pandemonium, it just kind of made me sad. But now this week I'm realizing that that's exactly what it's supposed to do. Here's the message I've gleaned from rereading the whole series with you guys. Death is inevitable, and we all have a destiny that we ultimately can't do anything to prevent. So in the absence of a way to control that fact, the fact that we all pass away, we have quite a lot of control over the way we face our ends. The message in and of itself isn't the most profound thing in the world, but the level that the story ultimately goes to show how in the face of that destiny Hellboy resists it and defies it is unmatched. He goes on to define himself to a degree that he essentially becomes an unknown quantity, completely unpredictable up to literally the last few hours of his life, quote unquote. And then at the end of everything, when it's finally just him and Hecate, 
instead of being afraid after all the defiance and resistance, he just walks into his Iron Maiden with curiosity. That's how we should all live our lives. Just like in that poem, we should rage against the dying of the light as long as we can. But our numbers do eventually come up, and instead of going from resistance to defeated despair, we should wonder. On a personal note, I had pretty major brain surgery six years ago. I had a decent chance of living, which I obviously did, but I also had a pretty good chance of dying or waking up with a paralyzed face. Here's something that writing about how Hellboy approaches his true death reminded me of. Every day I was terrified of my surgery and the brain tumor it was to be removing, and when it finally came time to go under for the operation, I was cool as a cucumber, with not a care in the world, more interested in the hustle and bustle of the operating room and the doctors surrounding me more than anything else. So there's something. One last thing, what you have all said last week about the way it had already been established that the characters who really truly die and are brought back are honest-to-God ghosts changed my mind probably permanently in the subject of how Hellboy acted at the end. It makes total sense. Book club discussion, rebuttals, learning things. We love it. Okay, love it. that's it. Brian Levy. Brian Levy. Book club member. Great letter. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. You know, I, I think that that's one of the reasons why we see something in these stories that relates to right. our personal lives. Yeah. You know, I know that I definitely have. Yeah. And um, I think we wouldn't be talking about it if it didn't touch on some of that. No, I don't that know. was some yeah. super deep shit. And I really appreciate yeah. you opening up and sharing that with us. That was really intense. And I think it kind of goes along with the discussion you were saying earlier about like they took it there. They Everybody died. And yeah, they fucking took they it there. They killed the world yeah. and then they rebirthed it. And it's like that's just, yeah, you know, yeah. that that is a, a theme in the comics that really yeah exactly that's a good takeaway I, I really deeply appreciate any anyone who's willing to share just how that impacted them and how that reflects their own life i think yeah. that's really that's really cool i love yeah. hearing about that thanks man that was, that was great we had a hey you damn guys from efri navarro efri navarro book club member book club member oh boy i really needed that discussion about devil you know i read it earlier this year and i was counting the episodes waiting for you to get to this point oh, wow. the devil you know certainly has a faster pace than the rest of the bprd and less issues so I get that some people felt it was a rush. Right, right. At first I felt the same way, but after reflecting on the subject, I don't want a slower and longer story. Hey, it's the apocalypse. Things happen fast. Besides, I'm not sure if I can name many threads left unsolved. Even all the vampire stuff that was foreshadowed was resolved. Yeah, <laughs> it was some kind of joke, answers. but it was a funny one. Yeah, it was good. And I really think that the <laughs> stories of Hellboy, Liz, and Abe couldn't give us more. But there's something, there's something in that too though of yeah. like wasting your life <laughs> waiting for something and 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 being like well shit we were waiting so long yeah that we never fucking did it yeah just fucking do it yeah do Agreed. it Agreed. and yeah. so i don't know that's maybe what they that's said the at thing. the end they said yeah. i rather would have yeah. had a couple of centuries being able to do this yeah. you know before getting not that i off. want vampires to kill everyone i'm just saying <laughs> follow your dreams you know follow your weird <laughs> vampire dreams he also said, and I really think that the stories of Hellboy, Liz, and Abe couldn't give us more. Sure, we could have gotten more Howards, more Vivara, more Ashley Strode. Damn, even more Devon. Well, maybe not that last one. But I, prefer, <laughs> but I prefer to have this satisfying resolution than to have a great series without a proper ending like so many other comics out there. Mm. Furthermore, the possibility of more stories isn't closed. I really loved your takes on the different meanings a story could have. Here's my two cents. Since Hell on Earth, I knew the world was going to end. There were so many hints. BPRD's fight was futile. 
but that didn't mean that the battle they were giving was less worthy. Nevertheless, for me, it was telling that, excluding some individuals here and there, the Bureau always saw themselves as the good guys, battling against the monsters, a worldview somewhat limited. Regarding our three main characters, Hellboy, Liz, and Abe, if a first part of their arc is about reclaiming your life and fighting against an imposed destiny, the final part is about stop fighting against the thing you can't avoid from happening. Change mm. is unavoidable. Yeah. And there's some tragedy in that, but with it comes hope for new things. Sometimes you just have to let go and embrace the change. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being friends with whom it was possible to talk about this Aww. world. Friendship, Efrain Navarro. And then he goes... P.S. My English isn't great, so I hope that that was letter was Why okay. Why do people was, always say that? Your English is oh, that was great. so great. Your English great is letter. fantastic. I love that. You speak better English than all three of us. <laughs> you speak better English than we speak any other language. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, you are you have absolutely perfect, excellent English. That was English. a great letter. Yeah, I, love that. I love hearing from you. But I do like how he talks about, you know, everybody, Gilly Boy, they were all like... Yeah. The, it's inevitable it's yeah. always gonna happen there's nothing you can do even the fucking yeah redding and the sledgehammer armor and the cosmic he's telling johan there's no point to it this is gonna you can't change things yeah. and it's yeah. like that was they were they were all telling the truth but they doesn't mean that our heroes weren't going to right. do what they had to do and and in doing that things came about that needed to happen so it's kind of like there there was really no point in you saying that shit there's yeah. no point in you telling someone that. Yeah. Because they're just going to do what they're going to do. And, and in doing that, sure. those things <laughs> that need that. to happen yeah. come about I anyway. It's like the no fate but what you make or whatever. There you go. Thing. Yeah. That's great. Regarding our discussion from last week, uh, when I posted my teaser, you know, I did, uh, I put my thousand toys there on the mixer with my comics. <laughs> and uh, Sal Vargas, he posted on Facebook. Saul Vargas. But club member. Yeah. He got his thousand toys Hellboy with oh, his okay. trade, and he was like, I got mine too. Aww. So, yeah, thank you for doing that. That's poitious. We also heard from Ryan Yule. Ryan Yule. Book club member. Really book club member. He said, nice job, everyone. I found the episode extremely satisfying. So, check this out. Um, there is the page where Hellboy goes into the Iron Maiden. Yeah. Right? Okay, that was originally one page. Yeah. Th that scene starts... And then they cut over to the Shambhala underground. Yeah. And we see the dinosaurs. We see Frankenstein right. with the little flame over his head yeah. or whatever, meditating. And then we cut back to Hellboy. So it was originally one page, but then they decided to cut to Frankenstein. And that made it three pages. But Ryan has the original one page. Oh, wow. Yeah. So oh, I, nice. I love that because it's like not yeah. only is it a Mignola page from the end of BPRD, but it's like an unused page. Well, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's like alternate alternate universe yeah before they decided reality. to cut over yeah. um so that's that, awesome that was really cool he owns that page and also this is one thing we didn't talk about and i wanted to bring this up earlier right when hecate says um he has no more desires he's ready to go on yeah he has two eyes again mm -hmm. we didn't talk about we that. didn't mention that because there was so much going on but yeah, yeah that's, he has two eyes awesome. again but in the that's in awesome. the one that ryan has he still only has still one has eye a, wow interesting yeah oh, wow. so but um but they the did last minute decision they there. made that decision at the end that he was going to get the other Give eye him two back. Eyes. yeah wow interesting. That's, interesting. i love that i dig that i guess that's idealized self yeah because he's no he's no he's nowhere he's in an uh in some sort of in between unreality at that point that's interesting Another incredible page that he has is the do it from the very end. Oh, man. Where oh, Hellboy's looking at nice. Liz 
And then Hecate says, oh, you have to tell her or whatever. And then he says, do it. Yeah. And she opens her eyes. Liz opens her eyes. She's saying her mantra right before the fire. Did you not tell us that? Or does he just have so many awesome pages that I just assumed he had that page? Perhaps. I don't know. No, I, I don't think so. Okay. That's awesome, though. That's that's super rad. And don't forget, you can check out all of Ryan's pages yes. by checking out our link tree on our Twitter and Instagram, and also on our Facebook About section. You can look at all the all the stuff he has. He's got his own library of original art there. Yeah, and I think you're pretty much out of the spoilery waters, you know what I mean, at this point? Oh, okay. Okay. Ross Radke said... Hey, Ross Radke. Book club member, Book club sometimes club. co-host. Yeah. Good job on catching the monk underground being Frankenstein. Originally, I thought the neck bolts in silhouette were Buddha ears or earrings, but Frankenstein makes more sense with a little real flame overhead. Yeah. He also said, um, really interesting choice to have Hellboy's blue eyes at the yeah. very end. I'm pretty sure it's the first time we've seen that. It definitely conveys the sense that something is different this time. Yeah, I like that, too. It kind of goes along with Sarah's idea of the three. He had to die three times. Mm -hmm. And then so after the third one. Right. Christopher Egan said. Christopher Egan. Book club member. Book club member. I did an actual spit take this morning when Matt's response to the guy who said you're running out of content was, well, go back and read it again. (laughs) (laughs) And also when John... Uh, had to had Danielle pick up the issue for you, and you were yelling, "Don't even look at it!" <laughs> oh man, this conjured two distinct movie references for me: Indy yelling at Marion to shut her eyes from the Nazis opening the Ark. Nice, hey, nice. That's the <laughs> nice. second time we've referenced that in this episode alone. And Diane telling that the light is not the way for Carol and in Poltergeist. Nice. Shut your eyes, baby. Don't even look at it. The light is dangerous. Don't go near it. Don't even look at the light. Awesome. (laughs) Another great episode. I can't believe you made it to the end already. Time to dive into the past. Right on. Mark Tweedell said... Hey, Mark Tweedell. Book club member. We heard quite a bit from Mark Tweedell. He said, Ah, the Osiris Club and their obsession with immortality and control. I think the impulse towards immortality is ultimately a toxic desire that poisons everything. If an individual is immortal, then all their ideas become as immortal as they are. Can you imagine if people a thousand years ago had become immortal and all their bad takes became enshrined for eternity? Yeah, fuck that. Imagine how a future generation might feel about us (laughs) and our primitive ideas if if those ideas lived forever. All their bad takes enshrined for eternity. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Immortality for the individual is stagnation for the species. True immortality is in change and legacy, what we pass down, and what is valued by future generations. Some people view the ending of Hellboy Universe as sad since humankind fails. I disagree. It is melancholy true, failure. but ultimately hopeful. Does the it spirit- fail or is that just the natural progression of like... Yeah. Like, exactly no exactly like that's changes the nature of the universe and the nature of reality and the nature of of just everything and so that's that's a great point that's good stuff the spirit of humanity survives into the next race into abe's progeny we pass the torch like a parent to a child there's a reason mignola chose the final moment with a new race being guided by a beacon left by the former we can go to our graves cursing and spitting that we never got more of a chance, that we deserve better, hating those that follow after for all the things that we didn't get. Or we can make the world the best we can and die happy knowing we left it better than how we found it. Mm. If you could look into the future, I wouldn't want to see a people like me. I would want to see a people I didn't recognize, a people that had far eclipsed what my limited mind could ever fathom. I would want to be like cyanobacteria looking upon the human race. The best future should be utterly incomprehensible to us now. 
the humility of dying is something the Osiris Club with all their pride could never understand. By the way, the Osiris Club didn't actually see the lilies that grew in Hellboy's blood. Only we, the readers, did. They always had some doubt because they didn't understand what the prophecies were really saying. They were too far literal-minded to comprehend their place in the end of all things. He also said, I like the idea that we looked at Ted Howard's Galdinar and always thought, hey, it's those two guys that coexist, but maybe there's a frogman sometime in the future that will reveal it's actually a trifecta. I like that. Yeah. I want to see Frog frog Howard's. (laughs) Nice. Let's get it. Next it's miniseries. It, and it's interesting that, like, because we, I, I like all the stuff you were bringing up about, we think we're so damn special, like, oh, what if the human race, what if we're, but it's like, we are not even the only, obviously, like, hominids, yeah, we're it, and then, like, apes and stuff now, but, like, at one point, it was, like, and not even just Neanderthals, it was, like, all these different, I can't remember all the scientific names and stuff, but it's, like, we're not fucking special. We don't need to fucking live them forever. And that's bad, actually. And it's against nature. Yeah. It's not good. And so the whole thing about nature taking its course and its place in reality is, I think that's such, it's the ultimate theme. Yeah. Like you can't, it's, you don't, it doesn't get bigger than that as far as themes. And so it's really interesting that he brought that up as like, nah, man. Just let it. Yeah, it's cool. Like well, that, that, the, the whole thing about yeah. humans, quote unquote, failing. It's like you'd know. Yeah. Even if the human race were entirely wiped out right now, would that be a failure, or would that just be like that happened? Because it's just like kind of in, in the grand scheme of things, it's just like a blip of like how old is the Earth even? Right. Best estimate right now is like thirteen billion, something like that. Years? No, the earth, the Earth is about four billion years four billion? old. the The universe, the is universe, about 13, the universe. That's right. That's the universe right. is thirteen point five. They're, the local universe is about thirteen point five billion whatever years, and it's kind of like, so what the fuck is <laughs> ten twenty thousand years compared to that? It's yeah. like nothing. So who gives a yeah. shit? It's kind of like when you're looking at something this big, you know. So I I like that we were able to close up and and get to know some of these characters yeah. and get to know some of these people. But when you zoom back out, it's kind of like cool. Yeah. End it. <laughs> What's the new thing? Frog people. Dig it. Let's see what the frog, frog people Howards, are doing. Let's yeah. Do let's it. see Frog Howards. I dig it. He so finds that's, the sword. No, I like that. I think that's a really cool. Uh, it's uh, the ultimate progressive uh outlook. Really, yeah. when you think about it, it's good stuff. Yeah, Mark's, frog, frog people, twenty twenty one. Well, it kind of goes along <laughs> with uh, this next bit that Mark said. He said when they did the multiversity reviews, there was a fifty fifty split about the Hecate stuff. Two of them loved it, the other two hated it. Okay. After all, Hellboy's been fighting his destiny all this time, and now he just gives in. She was right. She wins. But that's not what it was about. Hecate once said, "I came into this world to set men free." I gave them that knowledge. What they chose to do with it, that was for them to decide. And that's what this moment is. What Hellboy chooses to do next will shape the future. He could kill Hecate and raise a new world from her blood, but what kind of world would that be? He would be like the priest of the left-hand path and take the power for himself and make himself into a god over the new world. Again, what kind of world would that be? You'll note that way back in Conqueror Worm, it was revealed Hecate and Hellboy would be together at the end of the world. What came next was the unknown element. What does Hellboy choose? He chooses to die, and it is out of his blood, not Hecate's, that the new world is born. Ah, so I like that. Yeah, he has to decide yeah. whose blood is is it going to be. And this is why Hellboy's name in Box Full of Evil was not 
Anang Unrama, it is Anang Unrama, Arush Unrama, destroyer of worlds, creator of worlds. The creator part, the part that is willing to step aside for the new. So is core to Hellboy's identity that to erase it from his name makes it no longer his name. People get predestination wrong all the time. They seem to think that if you are told what you're going to do, that you have no choice, that it is some outside force twisting you into an unwilling shape. But predestination is not a command or a law. It is merely a description of us from a fourth dimensional point of view. It's no different from saying your eyes are blue or your feet are big. If you are predestined to do something, time will reveal the context that makes you understand that aspect of yourself. Predestination is about growth and understanding, and ultimately, that's what this moment with Hellboy and Hecate is about. Hellboy's eyes are orange, his feet are cloven hooves, and he's the creator of the world. This is simply an observation, nothing more. Yeah, I love that, Mark. That was amazing. Yeah. I personally didn't really see it as Hellboy gave up and Hecate won. I mean, and I, and I know I'm just going to be rehashing what Mark just said, but I mean, I just I just didn't take it like that. I mean, I just took it as the next step right. in, the, in the world. Hayden Orr said... Hayden Orr. Book club member. Yeah, book club member. Yeah, and thank you for that intro, Hayden. That was awesome. Yeah. Man, this yeah. series, this fucking last issue. First off, I just want to say, if I was Jeff Bezos rich, I'd pay Mignola however much he wanted to draw sequential comic art until the end of the time. <laughs> There's something about his art in a comic book story context that hits you different for me than any other artist. Secondly, reading this last issue gave me a similar bittersweet feeling that I hadn't felt since I read the final issue of Frankenstein Alive Alive, which is an ending, but under a different context that was the, as it was the last comic that Bernie Wrightson worked on before he passed away. Mignola is still alive and still making stories about these characters, but it's still a succinct ending to things. Thirdly, I have some very mixed feelings on the whole arc, but I tend to have similar feelings as some of the other readers did, so I won't go all into it. I have some ideas personally on why I think the series ended up how it did, particularly because of who was writing most of the scripts. But I don't want to overstep my boundaries and start making assumptions about anything when I don't really know shit. I'll say the art was on point the whole way through. I liked some of the stuff that was in this arc, but overall, I was kind of disappointed. I feel like a lot of the plot threads were wrapped up way too quickly for the importance that were set up to begin with. And then there's a lack of great character moments that were present in the series before. And I can see the point that all the main character arcs were finished when the series when this series began. But I can't help but feel like if Arcudi managed to stay on this or maybe Christopher Golden or Chris Robertson, uh, the devil you know may have ran a bit longer and would have found some more time for those wonderful character moments. That's just my opinion. And I could still be very wrong. That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> there's still some <clears throat> there's some stuff that was just wishful thinking on my part that I can't really be disappointed about because it's just my lizard brain wanting right. what I know I, I specifically that. like. I get that. For example, like Danielle, I called Frankenstein popping back up, but I was hoping he would come into the story sooner and play a larger role in helping the BPRD he save just, humanity. They're like a hulking weirdo. Instead of just leading them into Shambhala at the last minute. Though I do like to imagine that he is now humanity's greatest protector in the underground, sure. fighting all the bad dinosaurs that may be hanging around. I don't think there's bad dinosaurs. I think they're all chill, cool <laughs> dinosaurs. A lot of my gripes were squashed with Dan that dinosaurs. He did actually put dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. A lot of my gripes were squashed with that gorgeous and sad yet hopeful last issue. Seeing how our three main characters finally were meant to tie into the destruction and creation of the new world yeah. was as satisfying as it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Yes, they all live on in different ways, but their stories, other than perhaps Liz, are at a complete end. 
But I guess that's what makes the story so bittersweet. If the comics drug on for 60 years like Batman or Spider-Man, <laughs> we'd probably get tired of them eventually yeah. and lose the great love we have for these books. Yeah. Anyways, great episode, y'all. Loved hearing Matt back again, and I'm very much looking forward to our continual continued book clubbing after the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Hayden. That was great. Yes. Thank you. I didn't really know that there were the ending was so divisive yeah no you're right yeah. you're right because i mean we're getting like some people loved it and some people were disappointed by it i'm just like i'm, I'm that just shocks me because i i was i very much enjoyed the ending i thought it was very well done yeah and, even if it's not outright disappointment um i i still you know i still feel like whether you liked it or whether you thought uh there were a couple things that i was not sure about like all of the feedback that i've heard from everybody has been very well thought out and incisive and oh, very yeah. ob- observant and very, you know, um, just interesting. So I, I really value everyone's perspective, whether or not it was, you know, whatever it was. So that's, um, it's all been really, and that's, that's a book club, yeah. you know, everything, it's all really valuable. I like hearing everyone's yeah. perspective. So that's really, that's really cool stuff. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I think everybody has a very valid opinion yeah. and everybody has a, uh, a very well thought out argument. It's not like yeah. they're saying oh, it sucked. Right. No, and <laughs> we can. I think we can. We've been we've been able to learn something uh, from everyone's different perspectives. Like, yeah, I didn't really think about it like that, but that's you got a good point. That's interesting. I'll think about it like yeah. that now. And so that's that's cool. Yeah. So that's that's. I think a, we're going to be talking about this book club. for a long time. It's a book yeah. Club, so. When I posted Hecate, when she tells Ed Gray, "You'll learn to do evil for good." Hayden Orr says, this is such a great bit of dialogue. It's so interesting when you look at the full arc of Sir Edward, going from a staunch Christian witch hunter to someone willing to dabble in black magic to try and save Hellboy and humanity. It really shows how selfless he is, that he is willing to damn himself more than he may have already. Though he probably wouldn't agree with this sentiment, I think he's just as heroic and good as, say, the lobster, just without the near-insane single-mindedness of our favorite crustacean. I really love to see Sir Edward in Hell miniseries like a prequel to Hellboy in Hell. I'm sure he had plenty of interesting adventures traveling from Hell to the World Tree and all around. Yeah, I would love to see an Ed Gray in Hell story. Oh, I know. Everybody's asking for that. Brian Levy said... Brian Levy. Book club member. Yeah. One obviously loose end that isn't so much something I want answered as much as I find interesting is what happened to Ed Gray at the end. Is he back in his little sanctum in Hell? Did he go back to the elsewhere when we used to see him in the early issues when he was hanging out with Dagda? Does he cease to exist? All interesting stuff. Yeah, because remember, they did show Ed Gray in the elsewhere, but it was like, remember we saw that scene with Alice, and it seemed like that was the end of that. I don't know if he could still, it felt like that was the last chance for him to go back over there. Yeah, I, I felt like the else, elsewhere was is completely closed off from this um, reality now but it is a good, good point where what what happened to ed gray yeah I mean, like, like you said it's not something that really needs to be answered but it is a nice thought experiment i posted the og bprd heading into the final encounter and james banglow said i really love this part who would have known vavara was the path to rasputin all along the three of them played a really big part in the final moments of the story Happy and sad at the same time. What a finale. Great work by Mr. Mignola. Jason Abaddon, I don't think that he really was happy with the ending, but he said, What about alternate realities? I'd love to have a reboot with the entire gang together. Hellboy, Enos, Liz, Roger, Johan, Ben, Abe, Leechy Boy, Kate, Professor Broom, Ashley Strode, O'Donnell, and everyone's favorite, Devon. And Dr. Manning. 
Yeah, I mean, in the cartoons, maybe they could do something like that. It'd be interesting to see um, maybe like an animated film, and that would be like the uh, cast. Right, um, yeah. But I, I, I'm just so over reboot, so I don't ever want to see another one. Yeah. <laughs> when I posted about the aliens, Sarah Cole said... Sarah Cole. Book club member. These are always my favorite bits. The first reveal of the aliens visitors had me audibly at woe. I love that we got to follow up with them a little as well. I wonder if they have office drama in space while trying to prevent the dragons from destroying all creation. (laughs) You know, because there was that one scene where they're like, oh, well, we didn't send the right assassin. And he's like, I did send the right. They do have their little office drama up there. I love that. It's good. Drew Campbell said. Drew Campbell. Book club member. Yeah. He said, I can't take full credit of knowing where the Sancti Abjura quote came from. Matt was impressed by that last week. Well, I would love nothing more than to sit in a pile of Mignola books and scour through them for every significant reference. Somehow I don't have the time, but I did recognize the quote, so I Googled it. And I'll give you one guess where I found the answer. Multiversity? Yeah, Mark Tweedo <laughs> and Multiversity. <laughs> nice. Book club member and sometimes co-host. Nice. And Drew Campbell was also down with Brad Dourif. He's an excellent actor. The first thing I ever took notice of him was actually Miss 3 from 2001. So when he popped up as Wormtongue, I've been, I was pumped and I've been a fan of his ever since. And Haydenor said that Brad Dourif is excellent in The Exorcist 3. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. He says uh, he gives a powerhouse performance against George C. Scott. I honestly like it more than the first Exorcist in a way. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for all the discussion this week. We got a huge listener feedback section. I love to hear everybody's uh, takes on the last issues. I knew that we would have a lot of listener feedback this week. So, excellent. Thank you so much. And I'm sure that we'll be talking about the ending of BPRD a lot more in the coming episodes. All right, and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. This week we're talking about some stories from Hellboy and the BPRD, the Beast of Vargu trade paperback. These are the series of short stories, and we're going to start off with Return of the Lambton Worm. This is a six-page short story that originally appeared in the Playboy magazine in April of 2018. Due to the magazine's size, it is not drawn to the standard height-to-width ratio. So you kind of see that in the trade paperback format. In the the sketchbook section, Katie O'Brien writes, In late 2017, Playboy approached Mike about doing a new Hellboy story. We were excited at a chance to do a short story for the magazine. Immediately, we thought of Ben Stenbeck for art, who delivered beautiful pages as expected. Another cool thing, Mignola did all the thumbnails for the story, so he did all the layouts for every single page. Written by Mignola, art by Ben Stenbeck, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins, edited by Katie O'Brien. And we're looking at the digital version, so this is page 121. We open in North Yorkshire, England, 1960. Worm, Hellboy ass? Just another word for dragon, Broom says, as they are escorted down an ominous flight of stairs under a church. Although typically it would be spelled like W-Y-R-M, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Like worm, or like wyvern, or whatever. We got some historical fiction time. The Lambton Worm is a legend from County Durham in northeast England in the UK. The story takes place around the River Ware, and it is one of the area's most famous pieces of folklore, having been adapted from written and oral tradition into pantomime and song formats. 
yes, song formats. Nice. So shanty times, because it does kind of sound like a sea shanty. Oh, okay. I'll put some oh, great oh. versions in there. The Lambton Worm was made into a song written in 1867 by C.M. Lumain, which passed into oral tradition and several slightly different variants. It features several words only found in Northumbrian dialect. So when you listen to that song, they say some parts that are native words oh, right, into nice. the song. The part that I'm going to put in here is by a folk artist named Jordy Wilson. He did a version of this song that I really liked. Once in the morning, Lampton went fishing in the yard. He catched the fish upon his yoke, he thought it awfully queer. No, what's the kind of fish it was, Jim Lampton couldn't tell. He wasn't fresh to carry it, yes, he played it to Noel. Fish, lads, had your gobs, I'll tell you, Zal, an awful story. Wished, lads, had your gobs, I'll tell you, the Um. So the story does follow this, right? So she talks about... John Lambton, he was supposed to go to church, but instead of doing that, he went fishing, and he caught this eel and threw it in the well. Mm. And then he went to go fight the Crusades, and when he was gone, it turned into this dragon thing, and it climbed up, and it started, like, killing all these people. Look at this. Who we got here? We got Velma here, leading us down this... She does look like Velma. She's got pants on, which is way more practical for the environment that they're in. So She's got her high waters on. So in the legend, John Lambton, he comes back to fight the dragon... And he talks to a witch or a warlock, depending on the different legend. And they're the ones that tell him to make this armor with all the spikes on it in the legend. Right on. So there's, a, so there's this other part of the legend that's not really in the story that I do want to talk about really quick. So after he kills the worm, he has to kill the first thing that he sees or else he's going to he's going to be doomed to his generations are going to be doomed for like six generations or something. Okay. So when he goes to kill the worm, he's got his dad there and his dad is going to release this dog. I know this is terrible. And so right after he kills the worm, the dad is supposed to release the dog and so he's going to kill the dog. That'll be the first uh. thing that he sees and then though then he won't be doomed dog, though. or whatever. So then That seems So then he kills the worm and then the dad is so excited that he forgets to let go of the dog, and then he looks over and he sees his dad, uh, and he doesn't, and, and he doesn't want to kill his dad. So they go through the motions and they kill the dog anyway. But he's doomed for the next six generations or whatever. That's in the legend. Jeez, all of that is horrible. Like there's a thing like that where like oh, I can't fucking remember any of these ridiculous names, but like oh, the first person who crosses the threshold, you gotta do something or else you're gonna be doomed. Because of this, there's like some sort of a Christian okay. fable about that. Or Hellboy and Broom's Guide, she says, they thought it was all just part of this legend until they found this. This and armor so, looks like some gwar shit. This looks like a gwar It's got all costume. the spikes all over yeah. it. That's part of the legend. I love that. Always fuckers trying yeah. to enter the pit with the shit all over their jacket. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you wearing that for? That's so fucking bad pitiquette. I love this work here by Stenbeck as they approach the crypt. And they find the armor. The remains are just like a skull in the armor. But there's like a little cross over this gash. And of course, Broom looks in there and he picks it up. He's like, good lord. This looks like the cross Bishop Leslie mentions in his letter. But as soon as he picks up the cross like and starts doing that, a snake comes out of there. And it bites Hellboy. And Hellboy goes down. Oh, jeez. Uh, so he talked about Bishop Leslie. There was a Bishop Leslie, was a Scottishman who became the Church of Ireland Bishop of Down and Connor from 1635 to 1661, and briefly 
Bishop of Meath. I couldn't find anything about a letter or anything like that, that reference that Broom makes there. So Hellboy falls down in the real world with Broom and the woman, and then he wakes up in this dream where he sees the well. And to Broom, it's this giant dragon, but to him, it's like this little goblin mermaid thing, right? right. Oh, it's like a worm, yeah. Sorry for the biting, but I was excited and I didn't recognize you. You don't, Hellboy says. Oh, I do, the worm responds. So now let's you and I run riot, tear flesh, break bones, wash ourselves in blood. Jeez, Hellboy says. I do miss the blood and the screaming. And we get right hand of Doom Boom number 47 against the Lambton Worm. Hellboy's like, I don't do that stuff. You do, you will. Brother, I know you for what you are. But I wonder, have you forgotten? And Hellboy says, go to hell. I'll go, and I'll wait for you there. And so, at the same time that Hellboy's having this interaction, Broom is holding up the cross to the Lambton Worm. This panel is so amazing. I love the contrast of color, because, like, Hellboy's just, like, in this empty environment, but Broom is in this, like, there's fire and everything. I guess the, the lamp fell down. So it's kind of like the the worm goes away, but did it go away because of Broom or because of Hellboy? I thought it went away because of Hellboy. Uh, that's how I took That's how I took it. Right. If you were in the room with Broom, you might think the opposite, right? Oh, definitely. Most definitely. It just kind of lines up like that. I think it's really interesting how they did that. As soon as the worm disappears, Hellboy wakes up. And Broom's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It was the cross. You know, I shouldn't have picked it up. I don't know what I was thinking. Later, we cut to Broom and Hellboy. They're enjoying a drink here. So the dragon was actually a demon. And when Lampton killed its body, it possessed him and then was just trapped there waiting. He did say he'd caught the devil. Whatever it was, it said it knew me and was going to wait for me in hell. And Broom's pouring Hellboy another drink. He says, well... I think we'll both sleep better if we write off that last bit as a dream. What do you say? And Hellboy says, works for me. And it's the Playboy Bunny is the sign on the bar. That's that's funny. That's Yeah, cute. no, that's yeah, that's true. That's so a cute little gag. They mentioned that in the sketchbook that there are two hidden. On the very first page, there's an actual rabbit sitting there. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the other one. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. But I mean, I, I wouldn't consider just like a rabbit, like a reference to the... I mean, like... That's clearly... a rabbit. A rabbit in a jacket is clearly like the yeah. Playboy logo, but like just a regular normal rabbit is probably not. I would say. Yeah. But yeah, it's cute that they made it. This it's the sign for the pub. That's cute. Yeah. So this is one of the only times that I was out there trying to find the Playboy issue. Okay. Because um, I wanted to get sure. this story when it came out. Sure. One of the only <laughs> times. Sure. And uh... did you find it? <laughs> yeah yeah no i did yeah. but it was weird because it like i guess the months are all weird like the months are like a month ahead or something uh, like that well, yeah that's, that's yeah how it works. Mag- yeah magazines they're weird like that so anyway it took a while to find the timing but i finally was able to get a copy of it and um yeah it is nice in the oversized you know pages i like that they included in this trade paperback version honestly i would have never known this was a in a playboy if you hadn't told me even like now, I didn't even catch the rabbit being part of this part of the Playboy symbol because it doesn't look exactly like the symbol. But Daniel's right—the fact that it is a rabbit in a in a tuxedo—I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, what did you think of that story? It was fun. It, it was it was fast paced. It was quick. It was it was kind of like um, when we read we we were reading all of the Hellboy short stories a zillion years ago. Yeah, uh, that was a zillion years ago. Yeah, you know, oh, some memories. of the 
Uh, some some of them were just some of them just like you know something some boom it's over, and that's kind of what I felt like this was you know something some boom it's over. I don't think the first time I read it I caught that that thing that it looks like it could be Broom or Hellboy that's making the worm decide to go away. You know what I mean? I think that that is a yeah. nice little the nice little hook on that story. Yeah, I, and the artwork in it is, is you know is impeccable. I mean Ben Ben Stembeck always does uh, good work yes awesome yeah all right and for our next story we're going to read the beast of vargu the beast of vargu is a one-shot set in 1962 this issue marks the first time an issue of hellboy and the bprd jumped ahead of time rather than continuing the year-by-year format of the previous issues the issue also included the short story the secret god of the roma published june 19 2019 that's probably one of the newer stories that we've read Written by Mignola, art by Duncan Fagredo. He's back on the title after his monumental trilogy. Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. I want to talk about, there were different versions of the cover. So you got this awesome Mignola cover in the trade paperback version. It's got all the leaves on it from that opening scene when we open it. We've got a beautiful page of leaves by Fagredo. I love that that's reflected on the Mignola and then we also have the Fagredo cover, which is amazing. I love both of these. They're both amazing covers. We open in Romania in 1962, somewhere in the Carpathian Mountains. The Carpathian Mountains are a range of mountains forming an arc throughout Central and Eastern Europe. It is the third longest European mountain range after the Urals and the Scandinavian Mountains. And we see, uh, I did want to talk about these little reliefs, or what is this, this carving that's in there? Yeah, it looks like a relief. Is that like um, Death Rides a Pale Horse? I guess. Because it's got like the scythe, but then there's like somebody praying. You know, I I googled for a long time looking for this carving. I couldn't really find anything like it, but I did find somewhere it was Death Riding a Horse and there were people praying nearby. So maybe it's just a take on... Some of those, one of the ones that I saw was a miniature from the Apocalypse of Cambrai, illuminated by the French school of the 13th century. I looked and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat it had the name Death. And that's what that made me think of there. And um, I really love this work by Fagredo. It's so amazing to have him back on the series. All these leaves, when Hellboy reaches up and pulls them back to reveal the seal of Castle Vargu. Such amazing work. I love this. We get a flashback to six hours ago. We cut to the BPRD headquarters in Fairfield, Connecticut, and Hellboy is talking to Broom on the phone. Broom's doing his research, and he discovers that there's a nasty history to Castle Vargu, starting with Costash Syllogy. What about the monster, Hellboy asks? And Broom goes on more about Syllogy. He celebrated Black Mass, murdered his mother. He shouldn't have done that. Professor, the monster, Hellboy asks again. Broom says it wasn't until after Slizogy was killed by soldiers that the monster legend started, first as stories and then actual missing person reports and people found torn to pieces. About every 70 years. So, you know, Broom reads off the years here. I calculated it. It was like roughly 70 or so years. I thought that was interesting. And now Hellboy's found body parts. Well, good luck, my boy. And be careful, Broom says. No problem, Hellboy responds. I love the townspeople. Duncan Figueredo has a great way of drawing people. I love his version of Broom here. And in the bar, Hellboy asks for Castle Vargu. And the patrons say they'll show him, but they won't go with him. 
The place belongs to the devil, one says. We cut back to Hellboy. Now he's found it, right? So I love the way the story is framed, too. We get that little bit of history of the setup, and then we're back where the action's going to kick off. Also, it's it's always nice to see the uh, Falling Water BPRD head. Oh, yeah, for real. Yeah, so I love this. Hellboy's like getting his gun out. He's like, all right, tough guy, don't be shy. And just as he says shy, he's like, ah, oh, damn, the thing sneaks up behind him. And it says giant creature. At first, I was like, ah, maybe this is Pazuzu. But then the rest of it is just, um, he just looks like a, a panther with wings. So I really don't know who this is supposed to be. I love this action with Hellboy. Duncan Fagredo is just amazing. And I love that they just give him a couple pages to just kind of like have Hellboy and the monster go at it. We get right hand of doom boom number 48 against a beast of Vargu. And I love this like kind of double fisted punch or whatever. The action is so dynamic here. I really love that. And when Hellboy falls to the ground, you see that branch? There's like a branch right there in that bottom panel. So that's there. But instead what happens is Hellboy starts getting bitten by the Beast of Vargu. And then he's thrown around. And as he's getting thrown around, you hear that line from Broom. Good luck, my boy. Be careful. No problem, Hellboy says as he's getting like shredded <laughs> to pieces and getting thrown around. Really incredible action here. The Beast of Argu throws him from atop the castle. We get like a whole page and a half of Hellboy just falling through all the wreckage and debris to the bottom of the mountain. And we just get this black panel. And when Hellboy awakes, I love this beautiful with the little birds, and but there's his blood on the leaves. And Hellboy's encountered by this woman. And with her mother, and they find Hellboy, and they're like, oh, he's hurt badly. Well, wrap him up as best you can, the mother says, and see you save me some of that blood. Nice, nice. This is a great touch. She's got her, she's gesturing with her cigarette, and she's like, save me some of that blood, though. Yeah. That'd be good. (laughs) Also, just briefly, if you look at their horse, as you can see, you know, how some breeds of horses have those little super long hairs uh, uh, around their Mm -hmm. hooves. Those are called horse feathers. Oh, nice. They drew the little horse feathers on there. Very nice. Ah, cool. I thought that was a very very handsome look for a horse, those little puffy (laughs) things there. The mother tells the woman, all men die and some more than once. This one, not yet, I think. Now fetch me a block of wood. And so it looks like she's carving something and then she takes the blood and she's painting the wood with it. Oh, I just thought that was paint. I didn't even... Because you would need a lot of blood to paint. Well, look it coagulates. In, look in the previous panel. There's like a puddle of blood uh, like sitting there. Right. You know what I mean? In, yeah. the, uh, in the previous I page. I mean, and it wouldn't be that color either. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's probably paint. Well, he's demon too. It's demon blood. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Meanwhile, they've also bandaged up Hellboy and they've given him something to drink. It'll help him sleep. And now, wake. And when Hellboy wakes up, they've got a little puppet show for him. You know this is written by Mignola, yeah, right? He's got great. the puppet show. It's good stuff. Love puppet shows. Pluto, Persephone, fire, and the bottomless pit. That I serve your unholy cause on earth, and in return, you grant me authority over lesser men. How Abaddon, Baalbruth, Basilbub, king of the bottomless pit, and the lord of flies. And Hellboy's like, what is this? It's yeah. this little guy saying all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Pluto, Persephone, fire in the bottomless pit. We saw Astaroth say that almost as a curse in a previous story. I do remember that. The woman tells him this play is about Slizogy and pledging himself to hell. And see his mother, poor woman, armed with a silver dagger, 
she goes to kill her son. But at the last minute, Slizogy bats her away, and then he had her entombed alive in a chamber under the floor where he worshipped the devil. So she would hear all and go mad, even if she starved to death. Jeez, that's fucking brutal. That's just a fucker. And we're seeing all this, like, in puppet show form. So that's one thing that's really interesting. It's like it's cutting back and forth between, like, an actual depiction of it and then just the puppets fighting. They come to kill Slizogy for murder, and then we see him in hell. So I love this puppet show version, like the demon is on like the backdrop or whatever. That's good. I am swore to serve you, master. Give me leave to do it even now. And the devil granted his wish to return on earth every so often to eat flesh and drink blood and send more souls down to hell. And so in the puppet show, he's the beast of Vargu now, and he's like, tearing up all these people and no one to stop him until all right tough guy nice here's the hellboy puppet this is great and so i assume that this is painted with his blood i love this Fregredo panel where he's like what the yeah when he sees it good. and then yeah. it's just like clack 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 because they're just wooden toys yeah, fighting awesome. you know what those i mean little, like yeah those little sound effects are i great. love that it would cut to like almost like a realistic yeah. of these things just flopping around <laughs> <laughs> I want one of these Hellboy uh, puppets. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so cool. And a lot of it is the same action beats from earlier. If you check it out, you compare, you flip back and forth um, between the actual battle. But then there's this bottom part where he picks up that branch, the branch that was in the previous thing. Now, this time, he picks it up. And instead of the Beast of Vargu biting him, he's able to fend it off with that stick. And Hellboy's like, hey, that didn't happen. It's the puppet show, but then it's back to them actually fighting again. But this time it's a different version of the events where Hellboy falls onto the crypt of where the mother was with the silver dagger. Her remains are still down there after being entombed. That was part of the legend. And Hellboy gets the dagger and he's able to kill the Beast of Vargu that way. We cut back to the puppet show. And she's like, how did you like that? And Hellboy's like, how did I, how did you know what went on up there? And that last bit, that didn't happen. Are you sure, she asks. So it goes like the next day, I guess. They go out there to Castle Vargu and they find the remains of exactly what happened. You know what I mean? There's the Beast of Vargu yeah. with a silver knife and the dead mother. Whoa. Hellboy says, I'll be damned. I hope not, uh-huh. the woman says. Get it? Yeah. Get it, babe. I do. Yeah, I love that story. What did you guys think about that one? That was a nifty little story. I like the way that they uh, they told the, the story with the puppets and the changing back. And, you know, like you, you even see like, you know, when he stabs the, the thing, it just, you don't even see the stab. You just cuts back to the puppet show. Yeah. It was like a Twilight it, Zone. It's a Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah. It's a Twilight Zone. It's uh, Man. Yeah. It's so cool. what actually happened? You know what I mean? I, I like thinking about like, well. Ooh. She used the blood to make the puppet and made the puppet do it, and somehow that did it. To change reality, yeah. Well, she also gave him something to make him sleep, too. Well, the fact that you pointed out, like, that it's the blood magic. Because she even says, like, she even says, ah, same as some of that blood. That'll be useful. But, like, like, that's a crucial part of the plot, (laughs) is that she uses his fucking blood to do this thing, and her, her magical storytelling actually changes reality and like what fucking happened that's super cool i like that little that cool little um that's a cool twilight zone twist i do love that that's neat kind of reminds me of those stories like aubrey said dr carp's experiment or stuff like that where like 
he's out of time for a second, but he also affected what happened in time. Really interesting. And yeah. uh, in the same issue that had the Beast of Vargu, we also got this story, The Secret God of the Roma. And so I love this. Where It's like a different story, but we're just picking up. It's almost like an epilogue for the Beast of Vargu. Hellboy's still hanging around with this woman and her mother. And the mother's like, I think we're the same. You were born in a place, but it is not your home. You have no home, but are fated to roam all over the world, just as our people have always wandered all over the world. And Hellboy's like, sounds about right. I love how they're smoking together. It's great, yeah. And the way Fogredo does this panel that it's just Hellboy's mouth. Yeah. I love that. There's yeah. something very yeah. effective about that. The way that he frames this is great. Yeah, I just love this panel of them smoking together. It's so great. In a way, we have known all the gods of all the people of the world, but there is one god, a secret god, that is just for our people. So she starts telling a story, and there's a puppet show to go with it. Nice. Long ago, there was a there was a woman of a people, and she was bad, but for some reason, she left her child alone in the woods to starve. But there was this angel, that's back in the days when people were closer to angels than they are now. And so we cut to the angel, and he's like dancing around with all these birds. And so I am grown more than human, the worst part of man, but also the better part of a god. The angel told him that on all days, but Friday he must be very good, but on Fridays he might do it as he pleased. So one Friday, he decides to have a party. He has a feast, and he has all these different kind of food, but he forgot to prepare fish for it. And an evil man who was there was outraged. I am offended. I love <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love this man who's so offended that there's not fish there. God, what, a, what a fucking brat. Embarrassingly, the man god went to the river and called all the fish, and they flew out of the water and right into the cooking fire. Upon seeing this, the evil man was overcome with jealousy, and he starts attacking god. You know the other guy. These puppets are fighting. He sees the man god and began to strangle him and might have killed him, but the angel was close by and put a knife in the man god's hand. And the man-god cut open the belly of the evil man, releasing two serpents. So there's a couple things happening here. So, like, is that what happened to Hellboy? Is he the man-god? Because they went back and put the knife in his... Is that supposed to be a parallel to that? But then the other thing was cutting open the belly and the two serpents come out twin serpents. Yeah. Right? We've seen the twin serpents. That was all tied in with Memnon Saw and all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. anyway, just a lot of this things going on here. It looks like Rasputin a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, I I, I feel like the thing was fish in hell. A guy's making fish. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Good job there. I don't know. I yeah. always wonder. Yeah, it makes you want to go back and read everything we talked about this. And so the two snakes, they're like, "Open your mouth and let us inside you." No, devils. I'm strong enough as I am now. Be gone. And they're like, "Ah, he is too human still. It will be his undoing." We cut back to the old woman. She's talking to Hellboy, and so he was. And has been all these hundreds of years, like us both, good and bad on the outside, but inside where it matters most, he has kept himself clean. I like that story, Hellboy says, as he's like poking the fire. The end. Yeah, I love that. What'd you think of having Duncan Fogredo back on the book? Yeah, oh, it was great good. to see him again. Yeah. We're kind of jumping around the trade paperback. Now we're on page 97, and we're going to end off this story with our winter special thank you for thank you mark tweedo for putting this reading order together so we could talk about this today this is Croppish knot it was published in december 2017 as a one shot story by mignola art and colors by adam hughes adam hughes joins the mignola verse he's an american comic book artist and illustrator 
best known to American comic book readers for his renderings of pinup style female characters and cover work on titles such as Wonder Woman and Catwoman. Letters by Clem Robbins and edited by Katie O'Brien. This issue also won the Eisner Award for Best Single Issue One-Shot in 2018. We open with the words from God Rest You, Merry Gentlemen. This is an English traditional Christmas carol. It is also known as Tidings of Comfort and Joy. It is one of the oldest extant carols dated to the 16th century or earlier. The earliest known printed edition of the carol is in a broadsheet dated to 1760. The carol is referred to in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which has been referenced a lot in the Mignola stories. The Christmas Carol yeah. and Charles Dickens and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I read the opening, God rest you, Mary gentlemen, and all of a sudden the song just popped right in my head. Yeah. And Hellboy's walking around a graveyard. I mean, this is classic Hellboy. <laughs> and he finds this ghost woman. She says, please save my boy and we see the story is set in austria 1975 and hellboy looks around in the snow and he finds this little elephant toy i love hugh's version of hellboy his face is it's just kind of a different take of what we've seen but i think it really fits in well and as hellboy looks at the toy off in the distance there's a house with the lights on so again it's like all this is leading hellboy here and this little old man comes out. He's like, oh, hello, come in. Hellboy goes up to him and he calls him Wilhelm Schultz. They did a good job with this um, character design. I, feel. I like the uh, the foreshadow right when you enter the guy's home here. Like his bundle of sticks that he carries around to oh, hit people with. Oh, rootin' bundle. The rootin' bundle. Yeah. Is that a bundle of roots? Is that what that is? Or? I don't know. I think that's what it's called. Okay. I'll talk about it. I'll get into that some of the historical fiction in a little bit. On the previous page, though, oh, when Hellboy's walking up, no, I just love the right hand of Doom rendering, like oh, yeah. with the lighting and everything. Like it just, there's something oh, yeah. about that panel right there that I was like, really like, wow, that is really cool. There's another panel where there's a similar effect, but he calls them Wilhelm Schultz, and I couldn't find a reference to that. There is a guy who's a pig veterinary specialist. But I don't think that is the reference here. And it seems Mr. Schultz was expecting Hellboy. He's prepared a supper. This will be about that business at the church the other day, Schultz says. That's right, Hellboy responds. And so it seems like Schultz previously made quite a scene in a church. And so we see like all this stuff is flying around. The priest is like, good lord. Oh no, sir, hardly that, Schultz says. And it seems like all this was a ploy to get Hellboy there. I do like the, you know, the holiday settings here. You got like the turkey there He's got all those and everything. Going yeah. On. All the place settings, everything's all set up. And so he says, uh, well, you'll have a drink at least. And so they cheers. And I wanted to talk about that. That's also a similar effect, right? With the right <laughs> hand of doom. He's got it with his, with his yeah. thumb and forefinger. And I love this second panel as you pan out to them actually drinking, yeah. you know, together. Since we talked to Matt recently, I'm like looking at all the panels, counting yeah. the panels on here and how they're laid out. Hellboy pulls out this little paper. Apparently, you told Father Mueller that you aren't really human, that in fact, you claim to be this guy. And he pulls out this little card. It's like this depiction of Krampus. And so <laughs> it says they're greetings from Krampus. That's, that's the translation. Is it like, it's like a holiday card. Yeah. Like a, that's funny. So I did want to talk a little bit about Krampus. He's a horned anthropomorphic figure in Alpine folklore who during the Christmas season scares children who have misbehaved, assisting to St. Nicholas. 
who rewards the well-behaved children at night with modest gifts and bad ones with birch rod only. The origin of the figure is unclear, as some folklorists and anthropologists have postulated it as having pre-Christian origins in traditional parades and in such events as Krampuslauf or Krampus Run, young men's dressed as Krampus participate. Such events occur annually in most Alpine towns. Krampus is featured on holiday cards called Krampus Karten. So I guess that's what one of these are. Since 2013, the character has become known globally, having been portrayed in Hollywood horror movies. Almost unknown before this time, Krampus has become part of American popular culture. So in terms of Krampus Schnott, that's the Feast of St. Nicholas, celebrated in parts of Europe on December 6th. On the preceding night of December 5th, Krampus Night or Krampus Knot, the wicked hairy devil appears on the street, sometimes accompanying St. Nicholas and sometimes on his own. Krampus visits homes and businesses. The saint usually appears in the eastern rite vestments of a bishop, and he wears a cer golden ceremonial staff. Unlike North American versions of Santa Claus, in the celebration, St. Nicholas concerns himself only with the good children, while Krampus is responsible for the bad. Nicholas dispenses gifts, and Krampus supplies coal and the Rutin bundle. And the old man looks at this, he's like, oh, that's not a very good likeness. There should be a lot more blood. Jeez. Always like, all right, you're going to have to bear with me. He hits the bad kids with sticks and rides them around in a basket. I guess so they'll be good next year. Next year, Schlotz says, no, once I've had my hands on them, they never see another year. You don't believe me? You need convincing, Schultz says, and he turns around to this cabinet that's behind him. And then he throws this little skull at Hellboy, and when Hellboy catches it, he sees like a vision of this little kid dying or something. This is really gruesome. It like cuts to this green. I love this green effect on the eyes. It's in the skull, and then it's in Hellboy's eyes, and then it's in the flashback. So it kind of, it's, that's yeah, a nice the, bit yeah, of story. Yeah. Really cool. And that's that little elephant that we saw earlier. That was the woman was saying, please save my boy. You know, so that's the one that Hellboy was there. Mm. Um, that's that kind of set him off on this. And we see that claw of Krampus. I'll talk about that a little bit more. But I love the expression here where Hellboy's like, son of a, when he, after he yeah. has that vision, you get those like expression lines around him and just really amazing work. So then Hellboy turns around to look at Schultz and we get this incredible depiction of Krampus by Adam Hughes. Yeah, this was freaky to turn the page to. Yeah, this is scary. Hellfire Smoke and Pandemonium, do you remember this place? I don't, though I know I was born there. So what crime did I commit to be sent here, this cold world, this prison? What could I have done to deserve this, and how long am I bound to stay? You have been here barely a minute while I have endured hundreds and hundreds of years. Krampus they named me, and Krampus I have been long enough. I am tired of it, kill me and send me home. And uh, I love the horror. God, that is such a great depiction by Adam Hughes. And I love the claws. He features those claws yeah, pretty yeah. prominently in the fight. And it just looks really amazing. I love Adam Hughes on this. And so Hellboy's like, okay, I'll shoot you, right? And I love that panel, too. When Hellboy shoots him, he says, that's a man's toy. I'm a prince of hell. Kill me with your hand. And we get right hand of Doom Boom number 49. And Hellboy says it here. It moves along at a good pace. Because, like, you know, it, it, I was just, like, looking through it. And I was just like, I didn't really remember it being, like, several pages. Yeah, you know? this is a whole issue. You know, this kind of goat monster is, he's a goat, but then he's a skull. And when he's telling Hellboy, kill me, and all this kind of stuff, the action is just, it's so cool. 
you know, Ryan has an Adam Hughes page from a different story, and his pages are oversized by page standards. And I can only imagine what some of the original art on this must look like. Oh, man, it's probably gorgeous. Krampus, he gets on top of Hellboy. He's like, kill me. Jeez, I'm working on it, Hellboy says. And Krampus picks him up and he starts choking him out. He tells him to kill him again. And Hellboy's like, working on it. I like that little uh, yeah. that little beat right there. Again, like a lot of these stories have had Hellboy goes into an alternate reality or he goes into his dream or something. And so as he's getting choked out, he goes into this vision of the woods and all the little dead kids are there. And they're like, I'm sorry, I didn't do it. And this little kid, he tugs on Hellboy's jacket. He's just so tired. Help him. Use this. And he gives Hellboy a knife. And this is kind of like the Beast of Vargu, too. The similar thing happened with the knife, which I thought was interesting. We cut yeah. back to the real world. And he's like, oh, I love that realization that he's been stabbed. Yeah. I also like that the knife looks like a, just a normal, everyday kitchen knife. knife. Right, yeah. yeah. How did you get that? Yeah. This is a very... It's a mystery, pal. Merry Christmas, Hellboy says. And then there's all this loud booming, and it's all the bones, right? The bone, the house is full of bones, all the kids that Krampus has killed over the years, and all those bones are booming out of all the cabinets and all the drawers. Free at last, Krampus says. Wait, what's happening? Something's wrong. The art is just so incredibly detailed and creepy, but I love looking at it. Adam Hughes is, it's really no wonder that they want an Eisner for this issue. But as the Krampus shrinks down, he turns into a goat. Just a regular little goat there. And then we see all the birds flying out from the top of the house, right? So those are all the souls being freed, right? We've seen this kind of motif a lot of different times in the stories. Well, that was something, Hellboy says. 72 hours later, we cut back to the BPRD headquarters and it's Christmas Day. Well, I wonder what old Harry Middleton will make of this. I'll have to call him in the morning, Broom says. And I love this. Uh, we get to see them decorated up the bureau for for Christmas. <laughs> That's the carpet from uh, The Shining. Oh, yeah. right. Wow. Great detail. Broom says that Harry Middleton maintained that Krampus was the demon goat of the Witch's Sabbath, but he had always thought that it was a slightly different version of the Scandinavian Yule Goat. And so I did look this up. This is an actual thing. The Yule Goat of Scandinavia is the Christmas symbol and tradition. Its origin may be Germanic pagan and has existed in many variants during Scandinavian history. Modern representations of the Yule Goat are typically made of straw. And Broom's like, but I didn't think an actual goat would be involved. And not just a regular goat, but a magic talking goat, Hellboy says, who somewhere along the line forgot he was a goat, started thinking he was a prince from hell, and then he got tired of doing horrible things to kids and he wanted to go back to hell. Except he was just a goat. And who can say, my boy? Who can say? And we see Liz there, too. She's like, that's a pretty weird story for Christmas. There must always be ghost stories at Christmas, Elizabeth Broom says. And you, thanks to you, those poor children will finally receive a proper burial and rest in peace. And he puts his hand on Hellboy's shoulder. I really like that moment that he's like, you know, he also looks like maybe he's had a few too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, oh, and because of you, they're going to be able to move on. That's awesome. And as it's closing, Hellboy says, and that thing too. Whatever it was. Oh, jeez. Because he's thinking, in, in, you know what I mean? He's thinking about that, too. Yeah. Because they told him, I w I've been trapped here. It's been a prison. You've only been here a couple years. I've been here for hundreds, and I've had to 
you know, be this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. They always take that sympathetic spin on the monsters. So um, I did want to talk about this. We'll cover the rest of the sketchbook when we do come back to these stories on the next episode. But I did want to talk about if we could cut to 148 in the sketchbook real quick. Yeah. Um, these were in the back of the issue when we got to the end of the story of yeah. the Krampus. And so Look at I got a Lobster Johnson decoder ring. Cute. And that his, is awesome. His face his as he face. holds it up. And I like how Broom's all asleep. Like, it's too early. It's you know, really so Typical sleeping. dad. But anyway. It's cute. It's really oh cute. God. On the next one, Christmas 1995, the year Abe got drunk. Aww. <laughs> I love how Abe's giving the <laughs> thumbs up, you know. The girls are just laughing. And we got that classic Liz shirt. That's the shirt that she always wears yeah. with the big collar. Um, oh, yeah. I love that. Is that Manning in the background looking at his watch? Oh man, most likely. Come on. And then it's a great picture. And then we get this one that just says Alice. Yeah, I like Aww. that. They've That's got their Aww. They've got their Starbucks. They got their little coffees. <laughs> yeah, but those were in the back of the Krampus issue, drawn by Adam Hughes, and I wanted to make sure that we talked about them. I love these. These Very are like. Cute. I would love to just have this. Just somebody put together a picture album. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, of all the different things and just get someone like Adam Hughes or Lawrence Campbell to contribute to it. These are so great. All right, excellent. So um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this little holiday special. I did want to talk about our episodes going forward. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. You know, I think that we've earned it. Yes. I think that we have covered a lot and it's been a kind of monumental thing. I think we've only taken two weeks off with no episodes at all, you know, in the last uh, almost two and a half years. So next week you'll get a, this is our holiday episode, and next week you'll get an outtakes episode. And then after that, we might take a, you might have a week or two without an episode. You know what I mean? I I am working on some things, but I also would like to just take a little bit of a break. And (laughs) like I said earlier, I think that... um, I've also been working quite a bit so yeah I think that we all just kind of want to chill for a little bit you guys uh just you know if you want to write us some stuff and then we'll just have a whole thing where we'll talk about what you're talking about yeah that's how we do it yeah. and so we will definitely be back in january but yeah you know i hope that you guys have a safe and happy holiday i hope that everybody's doing well and staying healthy and just thank you for all the listenership this year. And thank you for your friendship. Yeah, it's it's yeah, really been you. a it, it's really been amazing to do all of this with you guys and to get to where we are. And I just really appreciate it. I just really appreciate everybody out there. And keep sending those intros. Keep sending that listener feedback. And we will join you guys next year for the end of the 2020 year. Aubrey's going to say all the things. Wow. What a year, guys. 2020. What what a bunch of great stories, though, too. And just because we're going to take a little break doesn't mean we don't want to hear your feedback. And we want you to send us those hey, you damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. And follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. 
You can also find all of our resources on our Facebook About section, our Podbean website, and our link tree on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gartahan for the uh, wonderful theme. Thank you, Mark Tweedell, for helping John craft this uh, reading order. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a wonderful journey. And thank you, John, for doing all your amazing editing skills. <laughs> and thank you, Danielle, for being your awesome self. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in every week. We love you guys. You can find the podcast on Podbean. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. Next week, we're doing the outtake episode, but when we come back, we are returning with Hellboy and the BPRD, Saturn Returns. So, you know what to do. Pull out the digital or the floppy, or keep this trade open that uh, we're reading. And, uh, and join us um, next year. Or That sounds so long, but it's only a couple weeks yeah. <laughs> uh, on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm that jolly old fucker oh, St. Nick. I'm a goblin of some kind. And I'm Holly Jolly Aubrey saying, screw you, pal. I don't do that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Happy New Year, everybody. We love you. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Everybody. Love you.